I encourage you to read the talks once again and to ponder the messages contained therein. I found in my own life I gain even more from these inspired sermons when I study them in greater depth. The basic pattern is to identify the fundamental doctrine or principle that's being taught. Find any invitations associated with and related to that doctrine or principle. And then also recognizing the promised blessings if we act in accordance with that invitation. Welcome to Words of the Prophets podcast. My name is Todd. I'm here with my friends Ribka and Burke, and this is a podcast where we discuss the latest talks from the General Conference of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. How are you today, Rivka? Uh, I'm doing. I'm doing well. <laughs> I'm, okay. My brother's in the hospital, but he's stable and okay. So I, you know, I have that yeah. little worry on my heart. But um, other than that, doing really well. All right. Well, we will be praying for him, and uh, and hopefully all goes well as they figure out what's going on. Yeah. And um, glad to have you back together with your with your husband yeah. back from the cabin and all of that. So mm-hmm. nice that you can be recording together again. It is. And speaking of your husband, there he is. How are you, Burke? I'm doing great. I'm really excited to uh, get back to doing this. I missed. Uh, I enjoyed listening to last week's podcast, but I miss being involved. So I'm happy to be back. Well, we are glad to have you back. And um, I don't know, did you notice any weird audio issues, Burke? Or, or is it just me who obsesses about that stuff? Deanna was about twice as loud as everyone else. I don't know why her mic was <laughs> yes. so hot, but for both episodes. And I listened to them in the car, so it would be turn it up, turn it down, turn it up, turn it down. But I suspected you were aware of that, and it was unfixable by the time it was recorded. So that is indeed correct. I tried to normalize it, but I, I just couldn't. And there are reasons and we don't have to get into them here, but uh, I was so frustrated when I, when I couldn't fix it. I'm sure somebody smart somewhere could have fixed it. I, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. I have like three buttons on audacity that I know what they are. <laughs> and I hit all of them and none of them worked. So, all right. uh, well, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was so fun to have her and um, I just I just love talking about the gospel, and it's fun with her. And but I'm glad to have you back too, Burke. So today we aren't going to talk about general conference. We are going to talk about. I believe this has a title. It's a talk called "Choices for Eternity: A Worldwide Devotional for Young Adults" with President Nelson. Mm-hmm. His wife spoke as well. This was this was um, recorded or broadcast on Sunday, May fifteenth, twenty twenty two. And Rivka chose this talk, and she has listened to it many times. <laughs> and uh, so more than a fundamental doctrine, I wanted to hear from you, Rivka. What, what is it that you loved about this, and why did you pick this talk? Uh, the first time I heard it, and every time since, I feel like this is just one of the best discourses we've ever been given on identity. Our identity mm. as, as children of God. And I mean, on the podcast through several conferences, that theme has kind of come up where uh, you know, it's been woven throughout a lot of different talks about the importance of understanding our true identity. And I, for me, this just felt like sort of a, a landmark discourse from a prophet on that. Yeah, it was it was fantastic. And he went on, went on at length in a way you can do in a devotional that maybe you don't you use the same approach in general conference. Not that you wouldn't talk about identity, but he, he had a little more casual um, approach to it. So. Yeah. Awesome. We're going to come back to that in a minute. So Burke, 
Um, what did you love about this talk? And, and maybe if you did pick out a fundamental doctrine, although a devotional doesn't really lend itself to that, but, um, what was your main takeaway from this and what did you love about it? Um, well, I would agree with Rivka that it is about identity. And I wanted to read one paragraph here. He says, my purpose tonight is to make sure that your eyes are wide open to the truth that this life really is the time when you get to decide what kind of life you want to live forever. Now is your time to prepare to meet God. And I love it because when I read that, I feel like I feel his enthusiasm, but also like, yeah, no big deal. Just, uh, you know, eternity and it's on your shoulders and now's the time. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No big deal. Yeah, no big deal. (laughs) So, yeah. Um, I think we've said this before, but the gospel is out there to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable and... Um, I, I think he was going for a little affliction for those who are like, eh, I can just have a little bit of fun right now. No big deal. I don't feel like and, I'm that comfortable, but I still feel afflicted. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think that's true. I think there was some comfort, though, in there for for people like you, Burke, um, you know, it, it, because of the concept of striving and yeah. um, just trying to live the celestial laws. You don't you don't have to be perfect at it. So. Um, well, but like yeah, I said, it's, that... his enthusiasm really does come through throughout this entire devotional, which is very encouraging. So, yes, yes. Well, this isn't a fundamental doctrine, and it was almost a throwaway line, but I wanted to throw in one that seemed like a hidden fundamental doctrine to me. Um, he was talking about living a long time and not buying green bananas, which was mm-hmm. funny. And then he says, and I have also stopped spending time on things that don't matter. I marked that and, also. Me too. Oh, so profound. And it's almost like he just threw it in. And then he goes on like, oh, but you matter to me. And it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> we could talk about that one line for a long time. Um, but yeah, that's the wisdom of age and um, letting those childish things fall away and not be important in your life anymore. And that, that can be hard because they pull, they tug on you and uh, to, to just let them go and let, let important things take their place. So I, I love that line. So what did you like about it, Rivka? It jumped out to you as well. Well, yeah. Um, he does this sort of, it's part of a setup, I think. So he's saying, I've, I've stopped spending time on things that matter. And then he's like, I'm here tonight because you matter. And this is important. And he says a really interesting thing. He, he starts talking about um, education and educators worldwide. He says, education is very important. I consider it a religious responsibility. The glory of God is intelligence. And then he says, there's a major difference, however, between the responsibilities of secular educators and my responsibility as the senior apostle on earth. Their job is to educate and prepare you for your mortal experience, meaning how to succeed in your life's work. My responsibility is to educate and prepare you also for your immortal experience, meaning how to gain eternal life. And then and then he says what Burke's quote that he shared, my purpose tonight is to make sure. So I think all of those things in conjunction, he's, he's kind of saying like, I don't waste my time. I don't have a lot of it probably left. And I only do things that are of, of great importance and you and what you do with your life and helping to educate you to make the most of it is one of those most important things that I spend my time on. 
So I think that yeah. whole entire thing through the, the beginning of this talk is just a little bit of a love letter from a prophet of God to us. Yeah. And and in the context, he was saying with that quote, you know, you're important to me, but I think it, there's broader applicability to it. For sure. But what yeah. what a great lead up to basically saying, here's the important stuff. You're important to me. And what I'm about to teach you is the most important stuff that I have to teach you. Yeah. So. And as he leads up to identity, um, and that's where I want to get to in just a second and spend you know a significant chunk of our time there, he gives us great quote that I know um, was quoted at our local or regional FSY, and the kids loved it. <clears throat> he says, so he teaches the basic truths of the gospel. Um, and then he says, these truths ought to prompt your ultimate sense of FOMO or fear of missing out. <laughs> I love that. You have the potential to reach the celestial kingdom. The ultimate FOMO would be missing out on the celestial kingdom, settling for a lesser kingdom because here on earth you chose only to live the laws of a lesser kingdom. I mean, how brilliant of framing is that? Like, talk about missing out, missing out on celestial life. So just fantastic. It is. Yeah. Um, and with that, he leads us into three fundamental truths. So we're we're not even into like the full meat of the talk, and he's already given us two lists. So I determined that that is the actual reason Rivka loved this talk. Um, True, and they all they all harmonize so well together. They really do. So Rivka, why don't you run us through um, this list and then jump into identity and and how he starts us off? Okay. Um, Just before that, he says this, every righteous choice that you make here will pay huge dividends now, but righteous choices in mortality will pay unimaginable dividends in uh, dividends eternally. And I love that. So, so as he's giving us some counsel on (laughs) how to make choices as we navigate mortality, he gives us this first um list. In that spirit, he says, you need to understand three fundamental truths that will help you prepare your future course. One, so first, know the truth about who you are. Second, know the truth about what Heavenly Father and His Son have offered you. And third, know the truth related to your conversion. Such interesting um, points, I think. Yeah, and, and, not exactly what I expected. Yeah, well, and the first time I heard it, I was like, that third one, know the truth related to your conversion. Like, it, that's such a an unusual way of saying it. So I love that he elaborates greatly and with enthusiasm on all of these points. Well, so tell us about that first one. Know the truth about about who you are. I want to I want to hear your thoughts on it before Burke and I weigh in. Okay. Um, his opening statement with this is one that like, I just love. He says, I believe that if the Lord were speaking to you directly tonight, the first thing he would make sure you understand is your true identity, which I believe wholeheartedly is true. And the first time I heard this and he said that I just felt like, I don't know, for me, it was a moment where I know that the prophet speaks for the Lord Jesus Christ. But that I had a moment where I was like, this is him speaking for Jesus Christ. He's like, this is what he would say to you. Um, and the footnote there actually references the Savior's appearance to the Nephites in the Americas in 3rd Nephi. And he says, well, I'll just read it from the footnote. 
hang on. Um, this is what the Lord taught the people of ancient America when he spoke to them. After identifying who he was, he told his listeners who they were. And behold, ye are the children of the prophets, and ye are the house of Israel, and ye are the covenant of the covenant. These exact truths were also declared to people in biblical time. And he references Acts 3.25. So, I mean, I had a moment where the Spirit testified to me he was speaking the words of Jesus Christ. And then he backs it up like this is a pattern that when Jesus Christ comes to people, his first concern is to help them understand who they are. Because the rest of this does not matter. (laughs) And our, our choices don't matter. And the way we live life doesn't matter um, if if we are directionlessness and we do not have uh, our identity. It's so much harder to live mortality when we are confused about who we are or or what we are doing. Yeah, fantastic. And Rivka, the way you said that and testified of that made me think about the Old Testament that we're studying this year, and um, we're out of the the prophetic writings and into the wisdom literature right now. But a lot of the prophetic writings you, you hear thus saith the Lord. We don't hear modern prophets use that verbiage, but I wonder if this verbiage of, I believe that if the Lord were speaking to you directly tonight is the modern equivalent, you know, thus saith the Lord, (laughs) you know, this is your true identity. So I, I like how you testified of that and helped me understand that in a different way. So that was pretty cool. Um, so then he goes on mm-hmm. and talks about our identity here. And the very next paragraph I, I loved because, um, you know, we quote the um, the youth themes regularly and we sing, I am a child of God, and we sort of really focus on our identity. And he says, I fear you've heard this truth so often that it sounds more like a slogan than a divine truth. And yet the way you think about who you are, you who you really are, affects almost every decision you will ever make. And he was just emphasizing, you know, don't let it become so frequent that it becomes common. Um, It's still sacred. It's still um, something that should, you know, reach down to the root of who who you are. And I can tell you, I I think that it's working just from my experience. You know, I get the privilege of interviewing um, all the youth in the ward twice a year. And a question I frequently ask is, you know, what part of your testimony is just really strong right now? And, um, very high percentage of kids, you know, they don't say like we have a prophet or Joe Smith is a prophet or a book of Mormon. They, they have testimonies of all those things, but the one that is the strongest is they say that I am a a child of God and, and heavenly father loves me. And, you know, they state it in different ways or different words, but that's the fundamental core of what they're learning so the message is coming through and at least the rising generation, you know, that's really important to them. Um, do you find that with the young women in your ward as well, Rivka? Um, I do. Yeah. We've been, I don't know. I'm pretty sure I've shared this on the podcast before, but this year as part of what we do on Sundays, we've been studying the different standards from the, for the strength of youth pamphlet. And um, each week as we discuss them, without exception, as we discuss what we are learning or why the Lord would would have these standards for living, for behavior, for dress, those sorts of things, the, it, with the why, without exception, one of the young women will say, because we're 
his daughters and he loves us and, and he wants, you know, the, us to be able to live the best lives we can. Some version yeah. of that. So yeah, I've had the exact same experience. Yeah. I've seen that same thing. Yeah. It's a powerful why a, g- a great reason to, to live a certain way. So, well, Rivka, we're going to swing back around to you in just a minute, but I want to, I want to get to Burke here. So Burke, what, what else did president Nelson teach us about identity? We've just started to scratch the surface, the beginning of his section here. What else did he teach us? Well, he goes into a whole section about how we identify and labels um, and as I was reading through this, it made me think a lot more about, um, well, cause he says here, labels can lead to judging and animosity, any abuse or prejudice toward another because of nationality, race, sexual orientation, gender, educational degrees, culture, or other significant identifiers is offensive to our maker. And so he wants us to be really careful about using labels in order to make um, specific judgments of other people. And the reason that was interesting to me is because, again, I talked earlier about how he is so enthusiastic as he talks through here. And earlier on, we sort of jumped over it, but he talks about some things he's been through in his life. Let me see if I can find it real quick. He says, um, I grew up during a Great Depression. I was a teenager during World War II. I have had several brushes with death. I have been to six continents many times and have yet to meet a people or culture that I did not find inspiring. I have also borne grief. I have watched two precious daughters be slowly, painfully, and fatally consumed by cancer. And I've buried a magnificent wife, Dansel, the mother of our 10 children. Knowing that it is not good for man to be alone, I chose to marry again. So, I mean, he sums up there again in just a couple of paragraphs a number of things that can lead people to go in a different direction than he has gone. And I think probably, and and he talks about it here, is the reason that he is still on the path he is on is because he knows where that path leads and he knows who he is and he knows what is important to get out of all those experiences. And as someone who hasn't been through all those experiences in life yet, who's still compared to him as relatively young, what a great testimony that is to me about how important these things he's teaching are. Yeah. So, so great. And he gives even more examples later about, you know, doctor, surgeon, all these labels yeah, for researcher, himself. Researcher, professor, lieutenant, captain, PhD, American, and so forth. And then later he says, old man. <laughs> <laughs> you you compared yourself to him. He compares himself to Noah and Adam. He's yeah. like, not compared to them. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, so true. And, and so it's sort of a... Um, he talks about the way the labels impact how we see others and not judging them, as you said, and how we see ourselves. And I love this quote. Um, but if any label re- replaces your most important identifiers, so meaning, you know, I'm a child of God, the result can be spiritually suffocating. And so he's saying, you know, don't let any of these other things um, replace who you are. And he goes on and and he doesn't shy away from giving very specific examples like political affiliation and yep. and so on and so forth. So yeah, um, and so he's saying yeah, not only um, be attentive to who you are and your importance in the eternal scheme of things, but also don't let anyone else be other because they're not. You know, if you're going right. to realize that God loves you, you have to remember that God loves them too. And in fact, you are in yes. the same group. That is so profound when we think about our day-to-day interactions. So fantastic. Well, Rivka, let's come back to you. Um, So what else did you take from this section on identity? Well, here he gives us 
our identity in another list. But the important, the important labels, right? I guess he, he's like, I'll just read it. He says, now let us turn the question to you after he's given this rundown of who he is. Who are you? First and foremost, you are a child of God. Second, as a member of the church, you are a child of the covenant. And third, you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. Tonight, I plead with you not to replace these three paramount and unchanging identifiers with any others, because doing so could stymie your progress or pigeonhole you in a stereotype that could potentially thwart your eternal progression. Those are powerful words. He is not messing around here. You know, he's not like, (laughs) this is a nice thing and you should think this of yourself. He's like, you get these in the right place in the way you identify and the way you think of yourself. Um, Because if you don't, it can get messy. In fact, he goes on in a little while. Um, A little while later, he says, There are various labels that may be very important to you, of course. Please do not misunderstand me. I am not saying that other designations and identifiers are not significant. I am simply saying that no identifier should displace, replace, or take priority over these three enduring designations, child of God, child of the covenant, and disciple of Jesus Christ. Any identifier that is not compatible with these three basic designations will ultimately let you down. They do not have the power to lead you toward eternal life in the celestial kingdom. Worldly identifiers will never give you a vision of who you can ultimately become. They will never affirm your divine DNA or your unlimited divine potential. And I'm grateful that he he expands on the reason why it's so important that we have these ones as our primary identifiers, whatever other wonderful identifiers we may have. Because these three are the ones that will have the greatest um, effect and the most lasting impact for us eternally. Yeah, so fantastic. And if I had to choose, you know, the true fundamental doctrine, this to me was the core of the talk. And the principles you just reiterated, Rivka, from his talk just form the foundation of keeping your vision on true north and. And sticking with it and and tie in really nicely to the talk from Elder Oaks that we talked about, which was the challenge to become. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, for me, it really um, adds the missing piece to the discussion on faith and works and all of those sorts of things. This is about who we are and who we're trying to um, become in the future, given our potential. And it's it really... Um, when you internalize that, it will change who you are, what you do, how you behave, and why you do what you do. It's it's just such a powerful principle. So, mm-hmm. Burke, anything else to add to that as as the you know core of this talk? Nope, I think you covered it. I agree. <laughs> I concur, Doctor. Yeah. Awesome. Um, okay, well, let's go on to a second. Uh, truth. So now we've had three lists of three, by the way, which is uh, pretty interesting. So now we're going to go to the second truth. Know the truth about what God the Father and his son, Jesus Christ, have offered you. So Burke, what did he teach us here? What have we been offered? I like how the next thing he says is, in short, they have offered you everything. 
<laughs> and he could have I mean, just, right just, just stopped there. Like literally everything, you know, <laughs> I mean, the riches of eternity are yours, uh, basically. Um, but I love where he says, a couple paragraphs down, God knows all and sees all. In all of eternity, no one will ever know you or care about you more than he does. And this reminds me of, of you know, the times in my life, and I've kind of brought it up before, of giving blessings to people. And in that moment, seeing them as God mm. sees them in a way that I yes. can't really describe other than to have experienced it. And it's so humbling to me. Mostly because then I think, wow, does he see me this way too? And the part of me that catalogs all of my shortcomings is like, no, he can't see you that way. Um, but he does. He really does care about us more than we can even fathom. And I, I love that truth. Yeah, so fantastic. He's just imparting such a grand vision here of who we are and what we've been offered and how divine all the people around us are. and. Um, you know what the future holds, and part of his wording that that you read made me think about some of the YSAs who are sort of feeling a little directionless, or um, you know, maybe caught up in in worldly things and and feeling like they're very important. Part of it is very hopeful. If we are feeling down on ourselves, you know, like oh, I just can't quite make this work, and and part of it, part of it is just sort of inspirational speech to keep us going through all the hard times, but what a grand vision of, of our potential future here um, that he imparts to us. Yeah. Well, and um, also a little Rivka, further down, oh, sorry, sorry, I just but, want to read one other thing where he says, God will do everything he can short of violating your agency ooh. to help you not miss out on the greatest blessings in all eternity. And this is always that flip side. It's like, well, if God loves me so much, how can all this awful stuff happen? And the answer is, well, we still have to have some consequences of our agency. We still have to make our own choices and learn what it means to exercise our own authority, our own ability. So, Yeah, fantastic. Uh, Rivka, what did you take from this section? Um, one of the other... So he talks about the Savior in this one. This is one of the things he's offered us. He demonstrated his ultimate love, President Nelson says, when he sent his only begotten son to die for you, to be your Savior and your Redeemer. Through his atonement, the Lord Jesus Christ overcame the world. Therefore, he is mighty to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He will deliver you from your most excruciating circumstances in his own way and time. As you come unto him in faith, he will guide and preserve and protect you. He will heal, heal your broken heart and comfort you in your distress. He will give you access to his power and he will make the impossible in your life become possible. Whew. What a what a gift, right? There's some impossibilities I think in my life that I'd love to see become possible. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I guess so. Maybe find me out. <laughs> maybe Burke. We started out with the affliction, and now we're to the comfort, right? Absolutely, yeah. it's kind of how I, I mean, roll. I mean, he does he does give his caveat with in his own way and time, and of course, right. That's that's the double edge of that sword, right? That these blessings come to us. And I, my experience has been, and I firmly believe that he will bless us as much as he possibly can in the situation um, without, like in the talk, it says without overstepping agency. But I also think 
to without removing the value, the eternal value of certain experiences and lessons that we have. And the trust that he asks us to have and the faith that he asks us to have is that he understands that better than we do. Because sometimes we feel like we want we want to be delivered from our excruciating circumstances now. And the Lord says, maybe just a little longer, but I promise it'll be worth it. Right. You know? Yep. Um, and then I noticed that that phrase there, um, make the impossible in your life become possible. It reminded me of Elder Uchtdorf. Yeah. Uh, from a few conferences ago, what did he say? Unimaginable or what was the... Um, yeah. I should have yeah, looked right. it up. Um, he will... I probably well, could have said it if you hadn't just asked it. Isn't that how mine <laughs> I, I know. Yeah. Uh, well, th- it's just, we've had a few talks besides Elder Uchtdorf that just, again, this sort of grand vision of, of impossible and, and unimaginable things. Yeah. So, well, there's, there's more in that section, but let's go on to number three, know the truth related to your conversion. So we're going to stick with you, Rivka, because you found this so interesting. What did you think about that? Uh, phrasing and how he approached it in this section. Um, yeah, I was kind of like, where's he going to go with this? Know the truth related to your conversion. And I feel like it comes in the uh, form of an invitation. Um, he first says, now may I invite you to consider a few questions? And I mean, I love a good question from these talks. And here he's got a whole paragraph of good questions. You know, so... Do you want to feel peace about concerns that presently plague you? This is me checking. Yes. Do you want to know (laughs) Jesus Christ better? Yes. Do you want to learn how his divine power can heal your wounds and weaknesses? Do you want to experience the sweet, soothing power of the atonement of Jesus Christ working in your life? These are good questions. And (laughs) And then here's his answer, which is, so President Nelson and and beautiful and encouraging and wildly frustrating all at the same time. <laughs> Seeking to answer these questions will require effort, hyphen, much effort. And then he says this, I plead with you to take charge of your testimony. Work for it. Own it. Care for it. Nurture it so that it will grow. Feed it truth. Don't pollute it with the false philosophies of unbelieving men and women, and then wonder why your testimony is waning. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then he keeps going. Engage in daily, earnest, humble prayer. Nourish yourself in the words of ancient and modern prophets. Ask the Lord to teach you how to hear him better. Spend more time in the temple and in family history work. As you make your testimony your highest priority, Watch for miracles to happen in your life. And then he says, if you have questions, and I hope you do, seek answers with fervent desire to believe. Um, And then he says, your sincere questions asked in faith will always lead to greater faith and more knowledge. So in this thing, the truth related to your conversion, the truth related to our conversion is that we, it's our job. We are responsible for it. No one's going to just hand it over to us suddenly. <laughs> you know, there's effort that's required. Um, and much effort, much effort, <laughs> much effort. 
Um, and so for a time, I think it's appropriate when we are young in the gospel that we rely on other people's faith and testimony to help us along as we are getting, you know, getting our feet underneath of us. But there comes a point for all of us when, because of the way the law of agency works, we then become fully accountable for the effort that goes into it. And we will, and, and I mean, as you mature in the gospel and you, and you have experiences in life, you come to realize through those experiences that somebody else's testimony does not help you stay stable in the storms. That's your own relationship with Heavenly Father and and your own faith journey. Um, and that's why it's so important. So the truth related to our conversion is that it's our conversion. And we do it with the help of the Lord Jesus Christ but it's ours to do, uh, you know, it's ours to, it's our journey to embrace. Someone else cannot do it for us. They can't re we can't like nourish ourselves through someone else's scripture study. You know, that's just right. Silly. Yep. So it, it's that idea. We can't nourish ourselves through someone else's efforts. It has to be our own effort. The law of the harvest, yes. right? Yeah. Well, Burke, I, I thought of you as I read through the part where he says, if you have questions, and I hope you do, because I know you love questions. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so how have important questions or even tough questions, how have those questions impacted your faith and your journey through faith, Burke? Well, the interesting thing for me is there's always going to be more questions for me and things that, that God has not given us the answers to yet or specifically haven't given me the answer to but the thing that i have to come back to continually and uh, i kind of just talked about it and i know i brought it up before but he says right in the first part of this paragraph or in this section the truth is that you must own your own conversion and when it comes down to why do i believe i mean any of this stuff that's been in this talk or any of the parts of the doctrine i believe it because i have had proof in my life but the problem is I can't share that proof with anybody else. I can't even really explain to them why it matters to me because they'd have to be in that exact moment, you know, when I received that proof, when I received those witnesses of the spirit. And that's difficult for me because I want to be able for people to see what I have seen so that they can know what I have known. But you can't. Um, you really have to do it yourself. And without those kind of experiences that you can always go back to, like, well, I don't understand this doctrine, but I still know that the church has been restored and that Joseph Smith was a true prophet and that President Nelson really does hold priesthood authority to speak for God to the entire earth. Then you can go forward with the things you don't know the answers to yet, and you can keep seeking without feeling like you don't have a direction or that everything must be false. I don't know if I said that very well, but. That's kind of how it works for me. Yeah, yeah it was, that was great, Burke. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, um, there's plenty more in this talk, <laughs> so please go read it or watch it. Um, and his accompanying uh, the talk, accompanying talk from his wife. Um, and basically, true to form, every paragraph has an invitation and a promise. Okay. Um, so rather than pick them out generally. Um, I was going to ask each of you if there's one specific thing that um, really pricked your heart that you're going to take to heart and work on as a personal invitation. 
Um, so Rivka, we'll start with you. Uh, yeah, this kind of goes along with the, um, sort of challenge for discipleship that I've taken on with becoming more comfortable and courageous with vocalizing and sharing my testimony and my discipleship. Um, and this is what he says. He said, now please hear me when I say, do not be led astray by those whose doubts may be fueled by things you cannot see in their lives. Most of all, let your skeptical friends see how much you love the Lord and his gospel. Surprise their doubting hearts with your believing heart. Oh, that just sang to me when I heard him mm. say that. I love that sentence. Surprise their doubting hearts with your believing heart. And I feel that for me resonates because that's the thing I'm I'm trying to work on is being comfortable with just being like, I can have a believing heart wherever you are on your journey. That's okay. But this is where I am. And I'm choosing to have a believing heart. And, and this, my life or our conversations and things we're doing, I'm trying to help that be a better expression of my believing heart. So for me, that was the invitation that's, that resonated because it was a confirmation to continue on the improvement there that I'm already working on. Fantastic. I love it. Normal and natural ways, right? Yes. And Burke, how about you? Any one single invitation stick out to you? So I'm going to kind of skip past the invitation because there was a lot okay. of them, but I want to go to the end and talk about a blessing. Yay. And mm. yeah, I love this so, part. I'm glad you're bringing it up. <laughs> yeah. So um, he says, my dear young friends, I love you. I thank you. I believe in you. You know, so like he's pumping us up. And he says, as the Lord's prophet, I bless you to know the truth about who you are and to treasure the truth about what your glorious potential really is. I bless you to take charge of your own testimony. And I bless you to have the desire and strength to keep your covenants as you do. I promise that you will experience spiritual growth, freedom from fear, and a confidence that you can scarcely imagine now. And I just, I still want that. I know he's talking to the youth here, but I read this and I'm kind of like, well, I've studied this talk too. So I get these blessings too, right? And I feel like the answer <laughs> yes. is yes. If you put in the time to study this talk and acquaint yourself with the prophet's words, then you also get these blessings. And I'm excited for these blessings. So, Fantastic. I love it. Uh, well, for me, the invitation goes back to what Burke said. Um, I I have a strong testimony of my own personal divine identity and divine nature. And just expanding that continually outward to those around me. Um, that feeling, Burke, that you talked about when you give someone a blessing, um, hopefully anyone who has given a blessing has felt that. I have experienced it on a number of occasions. I want to hold that in my my sight and my heart um, when I'm not giving a blessing. Yeah. So he didn't explicitly say that, but he did go through that section about not judging. And it's not that I'm walking around judging, just that I want to elevate how I see my my fellow, you know, brother and sister on this planet. So that's what stuck out to me. And but I'd sure love some of those other blessings too that you mentioned, Burke. Um yeah. And I feel like I've experienced some of them already, and I hope to continue to experience even more of them. So, <clears throat> well, Rivka, thank you very much for choosing that talk. Um, no. Very, very good. And uh, probably one that a lot of people who would listen to General Conference might have missed if they're not a YSA. So go ahead and take a listen and, and read that. And 
I know you'll be blessed for it. Um, so now our next talk is going to be Using the Supernal Gift of Prayer by Elder Richard G. Scott of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles from the April 2007 General Conference. Um, this is a, a Burke selection um, from <laughs> one of his favorite apostles, Elder I Scott. I love so, this talk. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to sit back and let Burke just go go nuts for a half hour. So I'm looking forward to it. Well, uh, so in the meantime, you can reach us on social media at Words of the Prophets Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or Words of the Prophets Podcast at gmail.com. So thanks for joining us today, and until next time, keep the faith. If we teach by the Spirit, and you listen by the Spirit, some one of us will touch on your circumstance, sending a personal prophetic epistle just to you.